Rob what? And she left me with a pile of diabetes. Gonna eat it all and get the beatus beatus. <laughs> well, she she totally left me with a bag of diabetes. She went to the uh, Halloween Horror Nights thing. And, uh, not Halloween Horror Nights thing. She went to the Mickey Not So Scary Halloween. I've got too many Halloween things. She went to the Mickey Not So Scary Halloween and she came back with like a metric ton of candy. I don't know where she got all this candy from. That's a but good haul. She, she was beating up children and stealing their candy. Well, no, she was saying that if you go to the, to the candy buckets, like at the end of the night, they just dump their buckets in your bag. <laughs> They're like, here, have some candy. And they give you like a full bag's worth of candy in one, in one go. Here's some diabetes, child. Yeah. So she sat here for a couple of minutes and separated out what she wanted and then left me with a bag of leftover candy. And Rob's going to be chewing on it for the rest of the episode. I probably. I'll just munch on it in Jimmy's ear because I know it irritates the shit. I'm going to go. I got a stalk of celery. I will just sit here and eat it into the microphone. And that would be terrible if it bothered me, but it doesn't. I'm going to eat my candy. Nothing bothers Rob. Mm. He's seen things that would make a billy goat vomit. I may have eaten things that would make a billy goat vomit. You may have eaten billy goat vomit. I may have. <laughs> okay, we're off the rails. We haven't even started the episode. Jimmy, hit it. <laughs> you were listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode number 56. This is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining subjects like Billy Goat Vomit. We discuss <laughs> pop culture, entertainment, and a little bit of nostalgia. I'm Jugular Jimmy here with my co-host, co-host Razor Rob, Ale. and Gratuitous <laughs> Greg. Hi. And together we are the Give Me Five Brain Trust. Yes. This what, do, what do vegetarian zombies eat? Hmm? I don't know. Tofu grains. <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell, we are sticking with our October coverage. This is a week two of our favorite month. And keeping with the theme, we will be, be covering some more spooky stuff, like uh, the original property houses at Halloween Horror Nights, Venom, and book two of the Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting, Freaks, and Beasts. Uh. As a special treat for you guys and ghouls out there, we will be joined by the author himself, Mr. Joe Ballerini. Can you guys hear me? Which is awesome. Uh, we are also joined by our special guest from last week, the lovely Frenchie Emma, who will be groaning and, and snorting in the background. I have also determined that her new nickname is going to be Blake Snortles. Pretty good. Based on our conversation, uh, we will be coming up with a top five list. Things like top five books about monster hunting babysitters, family-friendly Halloween events, and things like that. This is a review show, and there's probably going to be spoilers. Uh, we're going to try to avoid major twists. Uh, <laughs> for example, if you did not know that Rob just got lost from our feed. Oh, no. And he's frantically, uh, he got disconnected because of a power surge. Good. Okay, so if you didn't know that you can't invite your crush along while babysitting, um, or that Rob always invites his crush along when he's babysitting, you might want to pause, pause the show and come back later. Or just pretend like there's a power outage and log off altogether. Yeah, he just got spooked. Because we got a spooky episode ahead. 
So you can, as always, you can find us on Facebook and search for the Give Me Five podcast. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at Give Me Five Pod. You can also email us, Give Me Five Podcast at gmail.com. And as always, guys, we've noticed a few new ones, but please leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you're using. It really helps us stand out. And thank you for those of you who have done that. Thank you yeah, so we, much. We have got a couple of new listeners um, that, that have contacted us, uh, one, one of which actually found us through one of Jen's streams. Oh, really? Uh, said the per- person said they enjoyed the stream and checked out the show, and they, they thought we were funny. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on you. Yes. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. We, we appreciate it. We are not funny, but. Well, we, we, we are. You just can't see it because this is radio. Yes, exactly. Also, we got a, a another listener who I feel like there's something wrong with this listener because they, they said to me that they, they said a couple things. First of all, that Rob is their favorite. Yes! <laughs> Woo! Mission accomplished. Also, they, did, they didn't form it in email yet, but they did say something along the lines of that we messed up on our fantasy draft as someone should have, have taken Michael Carpenter as one of their picks because he is like virtually the like the hand of God when it comes to vengeance. And he is from the, the Dresden files as well. Hmm. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, like he's uber powerful and he's an, he's basically an arcane an archangel. So that With, might've been out of the powers. He basically goes into it and, and just tr- and trust that everything will work out. And it does because that's who he is. Yeah. So we did get called out for that, which I thought was interesting. Um, but all of his opinions are suspect considering he thinks Rob is his favorite. <laughs> you hush your mouth. It's Rob. Uh, I guess since Rob's not going to say it, uh, anything new, guys? Well, <laughs> we do have a store, guys, for these new listeners oh, out yeah. there. Um, yeah, I, I got go I ahead. got waylaid by by somebody else jumping in there. Oh, boohoo! Someone likes you the best. Somebody oh, was okay, Rob. Whatever. But go ahead, Rob. We do have a store. Yep. <laughs> you can find our store with all our cool stuff. At give me five podcast.threadlist.com. Order all of your give me five swag there. Anything new, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful read. And if you uh, go to our Libsyn page, you can click an Amazon link there where you can just purchase, you know, your, your every day, every couple of day Amazon purchases, a small amount of that goes to us and doesn't cost you any extra. Anything new, guys? <laughs> There we go. He's going to kill us. I've got a couple of things that I just wanted to um, jump into real quick. A couple of things we didn't get so, to. So do we have week. anything new, guys? <laughs> Am I muted? <laughs> You're not going to be somebody's favorite for very long. Uh, a couple of things we didn't get to last week, and I've got to extend a very special thanks to Kerwin for this one. Uh, for pointing these things out to me. Neil Gaiman has signed an exclusive deal with Amazon. Um, I believe aside from American gods, I believe, you know, any adaptation screen adaptation is going to be produced by Amazon going forward. Have you guys seen the good omens trailer? I actually just watched it. Yeah. That's we started the, uh, recording. the book co-authored with Terry Goodkind and it looks hilarious. It's uh, David Tennant and Simon Pegg. No, it's not. It's that guy that looks like Simon Pegg, and that's how it led me to another movie that I really want to see. But I, I was looking at him like that looks like Simon no, Pegg. Wait, but it's that's not, not Simon. It's Pegg. not. It's the bartender from Passengers. It's yeah. um, Michael Sheen. Michael yeah. Sheen. 
Michael Sheen. And apparently him and Simon Pegg are in a new movie coming out uh, this year called Slaughterhouse Rules. No, I won't be able to get, tell them apart. I know it's crazy, but the, but that movie actually looks really good too. And I want to see that one as well. I'll check it out. Turbo Kid 2 update, guys. Uh, Rob, I don't think you've seen it yet, but Turbo Kid is some, from the same directors of Summer of 84. It finally provided an update on Turbo Kid 2 in an interview. They said that they wanted to get another film under their belt because they felt like if they went straight into Turbo Kid 2, they would feel like they had had to do 3, 4, 5, and 6. Anouk Whistle says, we already have a script that we wrote a while ago, a while ago, but we're fine tuning it now because we really want it to be perfect. So can't wait for that. Really looking forward to it. Something that's not on the list. The Pet Cemetery trailer is out. What Pet Cemetery trailer? First trailer for Pet Cemetery is out and it looks amazing and I can't wait. Is it a reboot? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, you just now hearing of this? Yeah, I'm just now hearing of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pet Cemetery reboot coming out next year. Um, Looks looks awesome so far. So trailer's out. Check it out. Let us know what you think of it. Please. That's all I got. I will say I, I, I came across something the other day that I thought uh, Greg and Jimmy might appreciate. Um, you know, I'm a you know, I'm a huge uh, ABBA fan. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, wait, what was it? <laughs> Rocket League fan. Yeah, I, I, I play Rocket League a lot, but the um, the new crate that just dropped has – the way it works is they have crates that you get and then you spend money on keys to be able to open the crates or you get keys various ways and be able to open the crates and then you get a random item from the crate. One of the items in the crate is a Synthwave rocket boost. Oh, what? What, is it, what does it do? It Well, it, it plays like, like a, a music loop when you boost – and then it shoots like like little geometric shapes out the back shoots, of the car. It shoots and, like a grid. I looked it up. It shoots like a grid with like triangles that are they have like a pink outline on them mm-hmm. out of the back of the car. So it's like like I don't know if you've seen Rocket League, Jimmy. Have you? Like when you the rocket boost. I've seen brief clips. So yeah. The rocket boost is either fire or smoke, or it could look like the Tron bikes or something like that. And this shoots like synth wave symbolism out of the back of the car and plays That's pretty awesome. And then pr- plays like synth wave type music. Which I say again, um, Jimmy and I, we're all in on the ground floor. Yeah, if it's the thing that we're hipsters about, it's that. Mm-hmm. Get off my lawn, kids with your rocket power cars and leather pants. So I got some stuff. Okay. Lots of news today. Uh, last week, there was not as much, so we just kind of talked about various movies we saw and stuff. Uh, we recorded over two nights, uh, and Saturday night when we got done recording, I looked on my phone and it, I saw that Scott Wilson from The Walking Dead had passed away. Um, he was 76. He, of course, yes. he, of course, played Herschel. Uh, he was also known for In the Heat of the Night, which is kind of where he got his big start. G.I. Jane, he was in The Right Stuff. Many other things. He always had, like, a warm, kind of inviting presence on screen for the most part. And and apparently with all his co-stars as yeah, well. Yeah, they lo- all loved him. Uh, just recently at a con, it might have been New York Comic Con or a previous one, they did announce that he was going to be back on Walking Dead, probably in a... In a um, flashback type situation or maybe like a hallucination because walking dead tends to do that and uh mm, is he gonna come back as a zombie i doubt that i mean how no because he got beheaded yeah so no oh okay good that would be so there's that and uh, speaking of walking dead the ratings were significantly down uh for the season nine premiere it was 6.8 million viewers that is down by half which is a lot 
from last year's season premiere, um, which in a way kind of sucks because any of the people that left it left it because of the previous regime and it is being run by a new regime and with promises of speeding things up and all that stuff. Um, the one thing is it's still the top rated Sunday show on television, even with those numbers. And they also saw the largest surge in signups for the uh, the app to watch the TV show and to watch it online. So numbers are a bit weird, but and they shouldn't have fallen that much, but that is problematic for anyone that wanted to kind of see this thing continue. So, well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up an old discussion that we had when we talked about it before. It was I think essentially when we found out that Rick was leaving the Correct. show. And I had said that it was the beginning of the end. Do you do you think that that might be indicative, or do you think this is just a blip on the radar and it's a speed bump? Uh, I don't know of any show that has started small, gotten huge, and then gone down this significantly ever to go back up again. And that's a that's True. a problem because in order to impress people, they need more budget, and with less people viewing, they can't get that budget. So it makes it a lot harder. Now, losing the two highest-paid characters on the show, which would be Rick and Maggie, will help with the budget in some way, but I don't know who the standouts are. Is, like, who are the standouts? Is Maggie leaving also? Yes. Oh. Get ready to uh, see a lot of bottleneck episodes. Right, like... The, a lot of bottle episodes. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Bo- uh, bottle episode, yeah. Bottle episodes. We did a whole episode on bottle episodes. I know! <laughs> We're just going to call them bottleneck games. episodes now. There's a lot, there, uh, much of like last season and the season before of Walking Dead were bottleneck episodes, but um, so that's that. I, I, I don't like piling on. I mean, I still watch it. I watched the opening one. It was what I expected. It was, you know, it was basically very similar to the comic where it was a jump ahead and it kind of reset the world and showed how everyone was working well together and that's about it. Um, a couple other things. James Gunn, who of course was fired from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Working on, he was working on episode three, or is it episode three? Yeah, episode three of Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, he did get hired again, this time by Warner Brothers, to write and direct Suicide Squad 2. Maybe it'll be better. It has to be better. There's no possible way it could be worse. Oh, it, oh, it, it can be worse. It can be Batman versus Superman. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I haven't even seen it. Um, some of the characters are interesting in that, but that was about the extent of it. Um, I'm kind of intrigued about this. I, I think that James Gunn writes fun-loving criminals well for everything that I've seen him do, especially Guardians of the Galaxy and, like, the prison planet and stuff. So I think that it it should be pretty good. Um, and there's also a little tiny bit of news here that I think Rob will be excited about, and I'm going to go ahead and give us credit for this happening, but uh, Fox... Which one is it? Fox 21 Television Studios has optioned the Dresden Files... For a TV show. Nice. Uh, now it's just. You're welcome world. Yes. After us talking about it way too much last week. It has been optioned. It is not the first time the Dresden Files was a TV show. It was on the sci-fi channel before it was sci-fi with the S-Y-F-Y. Um, yeah. It didn't do yeah, well. I heard it wasn't good. But that those books are ripe for a TV show. Which I think is should be very cool. Obviously it's just an optioning. I don't know if Fox 21 goes to Disney. Uh, because mm-hmm. like there's that big deal going on so like if they if Fox 21 options it and then it goes to Disney does that make like Queen Mab like a Disney villain? Um I don't think it makes her officially a Disney villain, but they they would they would have to own the intellectual property um mm. which 
which if they've just bought the rights to pro- to produce the TV show, they don't own the intellectual property. It would, it would still belong to the author. There you go. Now, if he sold all the rights, then of course I'm just talking out of my ass here. And I'm- I think you're right. He did not show all the rights. He did not sell the rights because he's the right. It's he's got the rights. To, well, okay. He has the right to the intellectual property. Obviously, the people that publish the books have the right to the books. There's there's comic books, so those people have the right to the comics. But he is in charge of that whole universe in general. Right. Okay. Kind of like J.K. Rowling is in charge of Harry Potter, even though Harry Potter is at Universal. She has final say in just about everything. Yes. Okay. So I think that's that covers all that stuff, all the news. So I think as a result of there being a lot of news, a lot of talk about goat vomit and... Billy goat vomit. Billy goat vomit. I think we are going to skip Snap Decisions because we also have an interview coming up that will take up some time. So I think we should probably just get started on our topics. Well, as we do every October, we like to check out the Halloween Horror Nights houses and scare zones. And then we like to bring you guys some reviews and give you little hints about what's going on there and Easter eggs and all that fun stuff. Yes. Last week, episode 55, we checked out Poltergeist and Trick or Treat. And had really good things to say about them. And this week, we are going to kind of hit you with all of the original houses. Can um, you and, deal with that? And they they are pretty strong this year. The um, the original houses are actually some of my favorite houses. Yeah, there's five of them mm-hmm. this year. Well, they had to make up for the loss of Bill and Ted, bastards. <laughs> Bitter? Party of one. What the hell was that? Somebody just... Was that a drill sergeant? I don't know. That was like outside of my house. Five concerns. There was someone... Yeah, it sounded like... Uh, What's his face? Yeah, it did sound like what's his face? The drill sergeant from uh Arlie Ermy. Yeah, Arlie Ermy was like outside of my window. Okay. So anyway, hopefully you guys heard that so we don't sound like crazy people. But oh, um, yeah. no, we sound crazy, but not because of that. So we've got five houses, like I said. Uh I will I guess I'll I'm gonna read the name of the house and the description that Universal gave in their press release. And then How about you read the name and then I guess what they are. Okay. We can do that. Because I haven't been. Well, we're, we're going to have to do that separated out because we'll talk about the house too. So, okay. Uh, dead exposure, patient zero. Somebody put their hospital gown on backwards. Uh, no, that's, uh, what is it? Uh, illegal close. exposure? What is it? Yeah, it is, I guess you're kind of close. Indecent exposure. Indecent exposure. There we go. So what's the official universal description? Uh, fear will infect you, plunging you into darkness against a plague of swarming, fast-moving zombies. So mm-hmm. this one, and I actually didn't catch this, is a sequel to another uh, haunted house from 2008, also called Dead Exposure, which I kind of just forgot. I remembered and, the name, but... Yeah, I remember the name, but I didn't realize it was a sequel because they added the, the Patient Zero thing. So first of all, uh, Rob, uh, what did you think of this house? I hate this house. <laughs> this, <laughs> is, hate- this is well, one of my you? least favorite houses, and it's largely because I can't see shit. I, I can okay. see nothing in this house. Yes, that, now that is why I asked that question, because they use a very interesting array of strobe lights and black light strobe lights in this house. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the deck... But de- like the whole house is strobe lights. Yes. So all of the decor in this house is basically, um, it's black with UV reflective light showing like the highlights and stuff. So it looks like a, it almost looks like you're walking through like Sin City or something. Mm-hmm. And the story behind this is that you found the the photos and you're kind of developing the photos of a photographer named charlene mcpherson who is determining why the world ended with this like zombie apocalypse kind of thing the i think the effects are very very cool um they may be i just didn't see them yeah but if you are not if you one if you have uh 
if you have seizures due to light flashing. Uh, this is definitely not the house you want to go to because um, you you will die. Uh, it just sounds like too much. You're making it, you're making me like no, I don't want to go on that. Yeah, I, well, I don't want to go on it. I've done it. I did it once or twice, I think, and I only went through the second time because I forgot that it was just all strobes and that I didn't see anything. I actually like that my eyes adjust to strobes pretty well, mm-hmm. but and it actually had there was one scene which you probably didn't see, Rob, where it kind of you see like a, a zombie down like a, a very forced perspective uh, cobblestone street with like a fence and stuff like that. And it's very, like I said, it's everything's black and white and painted. It's very well painted, like almost mm-hmm. like comic book quality. And as it strobes, it kind of, the zombie starts moving forward a little bit. Uh, I thought it was a very cool effect kind of house, but comparative to all of the other houses, you know, black and white isn't scary when you're all, when you've got houses that have the detail and the level of blood and body parts and stuff like that as the other stuff. Um, that being said, I have heard other people say it's their favorite house, which I would never put it there. Um, I would say it's, we're going to probably do this at some point, but it's not my least favorite. It's not my favorite. Right. And well, and, and to be fair, it's, I, my review is simply because I can't see the house. I mean, it's, I'm not saying that it's a bad house. I'm saying that when I go through it, all it all it is to me is just flashing lights. I can't see anything, so I I have no basis of judgment for the house basically. And as because we said they're... on the podcast before, whenever there's strobe lights, uh, Rob has to cling to my back like ma- like Master Blaster, mm-hmm. so that he can actually get through the haunted house without walking into walls. There can be only one. One more. Oh, shoot, I messed. Up. Two men enter. <laughs> one man leaves. Yeah, it's because Rob walked into a wall somewhere halfway through the house. Yeah, pretty much. Rob's actually still there right now. <laughs> you poor thing. He's re- he's recording somewhere near the, near the middle of the haunted house. He can't get out. Okay, so that that was that one. Um, not. I'm a lot just sitting on the ground with my eyes closed. I heard that if you're lost, you should just sit still, and someone will find you. <laughs> okay, ready. So here's the second one. Uh, scary tales, deadly ever after. Jimmy, that's you. Just Jimmy. a bunch of tales from different animals throughout history. It's tails just hanging on the wall. T a l e s. Yes, he is not good at this. No. The wicked witch of the west has cursed the land of the fairies, twisting beloved oh, stories beyond recognition. There, close. There are no fairy tale endings here. This this is actually one of my favorite houses. Also mine. Also one of mine. So basically, what it is is your, your good old twisted fairy tale thing. Um, twisted fairy tales are always fun. I know it's been done a bunch. Mm-hmm. Todd McFarlane did it. Yeah. They've done it a couple times. Um, you see it in you know, horror movies, comics, all sorts of things where you take these these creatures and make them, you know, horrific versions of what they are. And, you know, honestly, so most of these stories are horrifying anyway. So if you just up the, the blood and gore, that's what you get. But this has some of the standout rooms and standout just little kind of things to me. Um, the Humpty Dumpty room is gross. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to figure out the entire dynamic behind that room where it looks like Humpty Dumpty has fallen off a wall into a fire pit and then exploded and it looks as if all the king's horses and all the king's men then ate him and are vomiting up egg. Is that what I'm... Yes. Yes, okay. Well, I, I don't know about... I I mean, I think Humpty Dumpty fell down and broke open, and instead of putting him back together, the, all the king's horses and all the king's men just cooked him up and ate him. Okay. Uh, I don't know if there's actual egg smell in that room, but there's so much egg all over the place in that room, like like fake egg dripping and people barfing and whatever, that I smell egg whenever I go in there. But I'm not sure if yeah. it's if it's actually a real thing. And they've got the they've got the three little pigs also. 
Ooh. That room does you smell like bacon. Bad wolf? That room does smell like yes, bacon. Yes, it does. It smells delicious. Yeah, it smells like smoky bacon. And they've got that. They've, um, they of course, also have uh, uh, the Wicked Witch of the West, is, who has taken over. She's on a cable, so she's fly- she flies over you when- as you walk in. Uh, and, complaint, you I- know, I went through that house like three times before I realized that little girl chained up in the uh, in the first room was Dorothy. Dorothy. Yeah, there's Dorothy <laughs> crying in the first room. Um, I don't believe Toto has made it into it, which is good, because we do have... No, I... Yeah, I didn't see We that. do have a, a couple Karen Terrier fans listening to the podcast, and nothing bad happens to Toto in this haunted house. Good. So then you've also got the, the Rapunzel room, which actually is, is pretty neat as well. They've got a, like a little mock-up tower where Rapunzel lives, but it appears as though her hair has gone insane and has detached itself from her head and has just like started killing people and stringing up body parts. <laughs> it's, it's actually really interesting because like you walk in and you see the tower and then you see... Um... Like the hair, like going every which direction, and some people are like, "What's going on here?" And then you turn the corner, and she's like in like a lower part of the tower, and she's scalped, and she's leaning out like, "Help me!" Which I thought Help was kind of fun. So, yeah, that one's um, that was uh, scary tales. Um, okay, Jimmy, since you've been trying to guess what they're about, uh, carnival graveyard rust in pieces. That is the um, the uh, collection of washing machines that you saw at that concert you went to. You're close to what I thought you were going to go with. I thought you were going to go some sort of Megadeth reference, but you did go. You did well. So okay. this one is the caramel-coated carnivals of yesteryear have died, but something sinister has festered, waiting to torment those who trespass upon their salvage yard. This haunted house in particular is probably the most, like, there's so much to look at in this house. Yeah. Like, a lot. And... I'm not entirely convinced that all of the walls in this haunted house aren't just made up of pile junk. It's there's very few areas where there's not some like something to look at or piled up stuff. Right. Um, it is. I don't know. It's as close as I feel like I've, I've come to walking through like one of those scenes in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie in the car lot or in the car junkyard thing. It it almost feels like this house took the most effort. To make the junk, the piled up junk look like it was randomly piled, but it's not randomly piled because you know that they've also had to secure every single piece of it. Yep, it's true. So, there's there's everything. I mean, if you if you try to think of a car, of a carnival and you think about all the stuff you would see in a carnival, like kissing booth, tents and booths and games and rides and signage and all that stuff, it's there in some way, shape, or form. And it's I think it's beautiful. I think that right. I really enjoyed that haunted house. There. I, I did enjoy it as well, and I like the I like the idea. I like the design of it. There are entire sections of the house, though, that it seems like they're not using. Like you walk through entire rooms where there's no scare actors, and I'm mm-hmm. like, what are what's going on here? Shouldn't there be something here? Mm-hmm. And it's and it's like it's like two rooms in a row, or or it's like there's one room, then there's a room with a scare actor, then there's another room with nobody in it, and I'm like. It, it seems like there should be somebody here somewhere, I you know? Yeah. They do use a lot of um, high-low scares where you'll see something that's above you, like a ringmaster or someone leaning out of a wall, stuff like that, which I think is kind of cool. The aging of the stuff looked great. Yeah. And that one, and that, that's one of the things that got me. I could walk, I would love to walk through that one without any scare actors at all, taking pictures and stuff, because they, the, all the original signage looks wonderful, the, the way they made things look old. Mm-hmm. Um, also the, the kissing booth was a little weird. The, uh, the, the, the two scare actors that make out for you. Yeah. They come out and make out and then they turn at you and like try to stab you. Yeah. 
And I, I believe it, the first time I went through it, they did mention something about being brother and sister. Like one of them nice. said something like, I, I kiss my sister like this. Wow. Look it up online. It's, it's hard for us to really describe how pretty it is, but it's definitely worth taking a look at. Uh, you there, Jimmy? You ready for, for our, our next one? Yeah. Uh, this, I, have, I have big concerns about what he's going to say here. Oh, man. How um, many are there? There's two more. Okay. Uh, seeds of Extinction. Uh, it's a really boring farm. I don't know. <laughs> okay. That's, that's better than I thought he was going to say. Uh, humanity is extinct. Wiped out by a cataclysmic meteor in its wake, something monstrous has taken root. Rob, what do you think? This house has, uh, hands down, the best costumes out of any of the houses. That is the correct answer. One of them. Uh, My first thought coming out of this house was, I don't think there's any craft store in the greater Orlando area that has any silk plants left. Because it is, the entire house is covered in foliage, top to bottom. Every open space is plants and flowers and leaves and whatever. Uh, the story behind this house is that a meteor did crash and it caused all the plants to go like overboard mm-hmm. and launch spores. And basically within a few days, it's, I think it says on the outside, basically everything is dead and the, the people got turned into like carnivorous plant monsters. Very fun. Very much like uh, the game Last of Us in a way. And it's... Set design here is really great. Yeah, the set design here is really cool. You're going through a mall and it's it's almost like they built the entire mall with, with again, signage and and stuff in it you know there's like a I, the one thing that makes me laugh is they've got that little lucite thing that you see sometimes on a counter where it's got where they have it like full of like muffins or, or cookies or whatever like covered mm-hmm. in like mold and flowers and stuff mm-hmm. um for some reason that always sticks out the, the hat rack that everyone always like has to point and try to grab the hats off of i don't know why I, and i point at it every time i go past and go oh look a hat tree but um and it's very cool. And the thing that it's weird because I'm reminded like when I see the signage in there, for some reason, it reminded me of like when you go to a new town and like all the grocery stores are different than where you live and all the restaurants, stuff like that. But like you can tell they're a big thing out there. But like to you, it's kind of like quaint. And it's kind of like that because you're walking through a mall that like kind of looks legit like like the stores do and the like the little mini mart and stuff kind of looks legit, mm-hmm. just a little off. And of course, it's covered in foliage and death and whatever. Uh, what would you say the big showpiece room is for this house. Oh, well, for me, it's the, uh, the Mexican restaurant. It is not Wayne's World. Still not it Wayne's is World. not Wayne's World. Yeah, the Mexican, the Mexican restaurant. restaurant. That's the thing that every time I go through it, it's cool. There's first, oh, there's like water drips like throughout the thing. You get sprayed with water, but mm-hmm. there is a, basically a two-story Mexican restaurant you walk through, but the floor is collapsed. Well, it's not, it, it's not necessarily a two-story, but it's a, it's a restaurant that you're walking through the basement of. Mm-hmm. And the main floor has collapsed into the basement. Yeah. And you walk on the angled floor. Yeah. Which they, they do this really well. They started doing this a few years back. And the angled floor kind of leans you towards some scare actors. So you're kind of like, as you're walking, you're kind of sort of sliding towards them. Or you feel like you're being pulled towards them. Well, and it and it also it also allows them to do the scares on both sides. Because your natural, your natural response is to back up the ramp a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because you think that they're that they're where you're being angled to, and they they end up you know coming out on the top and scaring you. Yes, and this one had an airplane in it too, right? Yes, yes. There's also like a full airplane crashed in the like. When I say it's an airplane, it's literally an airplane. They went to a junkyard and bought an airplane, and it's like stuck. It's hanging above you as you walk in, right before you walk into that room. I think. Um. So when you're walking underneath an actual airplane inside of a haunted house, you know it's like a special kind of budgetary thing um so 
Oh yeah, and you mentioned the costumes. I I love the little puppet hands on some of the monsters, like where they did some scares where there's like little monster creature hands coming out of the wall. I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. The 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 hand puppet because the hand puppets get you the first time that you that you see them because mm-hmm. you're like, whoa. At first, you think they're just like a a thing, and then they start moving, but they're not moving just like up and down, in and out. They're like actual realistic movement. Uh, so that one was Seeds of Extinction. That's very cool. It's very one of the most unique houses I think that they've done in a while, and I. You know, I, I heard some people in line because I went to that one by myself, actually, after you left that one night. And there's some people like that were in line that were kind of like, oh, this I don't know. This is the last one we have to do. I don't know how scary plants could be. And then when they were going through, they were like, ah! so it's really mm-hmm. fun. It's very dark, that one. Um, so that, that definitely helps with the uh, the whole thing. Like, it's, it's very hard to see in there. Yeah. And the last one we got to talk about here on our uh Excursion through the like you know the original houses. Okay, Slaughter Cinema. That is S I N E M A. Slaughter <clears throat> Cinema. Slaughter Cinema is the story of two twenty somethings, uh, Wayne and Garth, not who start Wayne a Hope. show in their basement and achieve worldwide success. Uh, that would not be Wayne's World. Oh. No, uh, it is actually a haunted house dedicated to the life and times of the band Slaughter. Who recorded from uh, 1989 to 1996, I believe. Definitely not interested. Uh, Slaughter Cinema, it's showtime at your, the local drive-in where you don't just catch a movie. The movie catches you when the credits roll. Heads roll. Rob, let me know what you think. One of one of my favorite houses. I, you, I mean, you, all of our listeners know that I love the cheesy horror genre. And they... These... This house is basically every room is its own movie, and they've got these little vignettes set up for these absolutely terrible horror movies. And my, I, I have to say, my favorite is probably, um, what is it, the Swarm Two, Midnight Swarming or House Swarming, it, uh, Midnight Snack Two, the house. Midnight Snack Two, the House Swarming, yes. and they're they're basically a bunch of like critters styles creep critter style creatures, With a little like, <laughs> and they've got laughing, yeah. And they've got a uh, they've got a giant head at the end for which we talked about in the last episode about you know how they really used the the whole giant head. That one's one of the real unsettling mm-hmm. ones. Yeah, it's funny because um, you're not currently re- I don't believe you're currently reading the notes because we're not entirely sure you can read. But you basically said the same thing I was going to say, and I put in our notes here is um, this is the house I was most excited about because it explores my favorite type of horror movie, uh, cheesy grindhouse films. Yes, and some some of the posters throughout. So basically, what they do is each room you're about to go into, there's a poster from this particular movie. Uh, when you first walk into the house, you walk in through the snack bar, and you see some posters for other movies. But the first actual movie you walk through is um, uh, Sorority Sacrifice, and it's about like sorority girls that get sacrificed or sacrificing fraternity guys to make like a Cthulhu demon kind of thing. And so there, you know, there's tentacles and all that kind of stuff, and it's just fun. And then you go room to room to room. And each one has this little poster. And I like, I love the posters. Um, what are some of them? It's like Cult of the Beast Baby. Shitty yeah, Kids. Kids. That's S-C-H-I-T-T-I-E-S. Uh, Amazon Cannibals from Planet Hell. Pumpkin Guts. Uh, the Foul Fist of Dr. Faustus, which is like kind of an opening joke thing. Uh, Barber Chop. I think that's most of them. Uh, you mentioned Midnight Snack, too. And like, then you walk through a little bit of the movie. I think each one gets about two rooms. Um the thing that made me makes me smile every time is the the shitties kids portion of the house where you walk into something that sounds exactly like a damn Chuck E. Cheese and looks exactly like a Chuck E. Cheese. Mm-hmm. There's there's arcade right 
Right down to the adult head in the little claw machine. Yep, there's like an, an actual arcade in there. There's kids, there's like, like, you know, scare actors dressed like children murdering their parents and like, and it's actually slightly less terrifying than the real Chuck E. Cheese, which I liked. Oh, uh, the Swamp Yeti is another one, uh, which is a, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is actually a reference to a real famous B-movie that made, that was actually the 10th highest grossing film of 1972. That would be The Legend of Boggy Creek. Did you know that for real, or did you read it off the thing? Did you, did you know that? It sounds about right. It, it, that is The Legend of Boggy Creek. Well, I, yeah, no, I didn't read it off anything. I'm playing Pokemon while you guys are talking about your nerd stuff. Who's <laughs> <laughs> the nerd here? Anyway, uh, yeah, that, that movie was... Um, it was like one of the first found footage films, The Legend of Boggy Creek. Mm-hmm. So the Swamp Yeti basically references that. It's That portion of this house is not the most... It doesn't have to be the most thought out because it's basically trees in a Yeti costume, but it's still really good. The trees are wearing Yeti costumes? Yeah. Yes. All right. Nice. They spent all their budget trying to figure it. out how to get a Yeti costume onto a tree. Um, this house is the most fun. Uh, it is another one of those where there's lots to see and lots of fun stuff. There's a lot of uh, Easter eggs in this house, actually. I don't know if you caught some of them, Rob. Um, a lot of the names on the posters... Mm. are names of some of the, the real names of some of the like icons of Halloween Horror Nights like you know Jack Schmidt. Oh. I think Jack Schmidt is like the director of one of the movies. He's the he's Jack obviously. Um the sound or the guy that did the music for one of them is named James Haddonfield. You know, Haddonfield of course being where Halloween takes place mm-hmm. stuff like that. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So and a lot I mean I don't know all the names of the actual people but a lot of the names of the people on the posters are people that you know work on Halloween Horror Nights and are somehow associated with the Universal Studios Orlando. That one I highly suggest. It's not super scary, but it's very fun. Cool. It's it is like I said. It's one of my favorite houses. It's it's I I'm having a hard time deciding which one's number one, but it's definitely in in the running for it. Um, I probably have to say that currently my four favorites are Slaughter Cinema, The Poltergeist House, Scary Tales, and I, we just said it earlier. Now I'm drawing a blank. Oh, Seeds of Extinction. Yes. You're, those are probably my top four houses. Yep, I'm, I'm I'm probably on the same page with you. I'm gonna have to. I haven't been in a couple of weeks, so I'm gonna have to go back over there and and start hitting up the houses again. It's been a little bit too long, but mm-hmm. that should do it. Okay, I think that gets us out of um, our wonderful world of Halloween Horror Nights for this week. I think next week we have a couple of the more of the movie and house kind of combo things we'll talk about. Well, as promised, we are here with. Joe Ballerini, the author of A Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting, both book one and book two. Book two just came out about a couple weeks, about a month ago, right? Yes, it did. And it's called Beasts and Geeks. It is wonderful. I am sitting here with my copy. And <laughs> as very I. much enjoy. There you go. As am I. His sound, his sounded bigger. <laughs> Mine's in the other room. That's genetics. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Well, now I have to go grab it so I can knock on it. Well, wow. <laughs> knock, knock on book. Good yes. Uh, first of all, love the book. It is a, f- it is a fun read. Thank you. And welcome back to the show. And we apologize for that you now have to do this two times. I, yeah, guys, come on now. This has got to stop. <laughs> we couldn't get all the information we needed the first time around, so we had to have you back. And I got mine, by the way. Hey, there, there we go. Um, yeah, it's good to be back here, guys. Thanks for thanks for having me back. Thank you. So, what has been going on in your life? What's been shaking? Uh, book two is book two is out now. Actually, at Netflix right now, they're as we speak, they're meeting with different directors to talk about uh, who will be directing the the first movie over there right now. 
Um, so that's pretty cool. It's exciting. Um, book two yeah, is very exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting because it's just been years in the making. Um, and book two has just been phenomenal to just, you know, hear kids screaming as a result of uh, book two coming out and really enjoying it and hearing the reaction. And uh, yeah, I'm just, you know, writing movies and um, working away, raising a two-year-old with my wife, having a great time here in beautiful Studio City, California, um, where... <laughs> All they, right. They apparently they shoot everything on my block. That's why it's called Studio City because we live right next to um, CBS Radford, which is you know a studio which was the old Max Senate studio. So you know all the old silent comedies um, were done you know a few blocks away. So be, it's called Studio City because it's just everything. They just kind of just pull their trailers up. And the house is all kind of look lovely and charming and uh, and picture camera ready, I guess, as they say. So uh, it's, um, it's pretty cool. I guess I grew up watching everything on uh, all the, you know, every house on TV so much. So now it feels like home, granted a televised home, but it feels like. That's got to be cool. Do you like you're living in the Truman Show? Yeah. Uh- yeah, but it's, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's pretty lived in. Everyone here has kids and there's a lot of strollers and, you know, parks and, mm. and the library. So it does have a real community feel. It doesn't have this, it doesn't have like a back lot feel though. However, I, I, and I enjoy that there's like, they're always shooting something because it's to me, that's like, you know, local hire and, you know, people getting jobs, great craftsmen are, are, um, so I dig that, but I also like Walking by and being like, "Hey, look! They're shooting a they're shooting Lethal Weapon, the TV show, right down the block." So I keep trying to figure out like, how am I going to get a locations guy to pay for uh, to shoot to shoot here? So I'm I'm, I'm working on that once we speak. Uh, hold on one second, guys. This is the Curtain Man. He's here. Oh, the curtain Yay, man. Curtain Yay, Man! Curtain That's man. like a superhero. Talk amongst We'd like to, I'll be right back, guys. We'd like to welcome to the show the Curtain Man. <laughs> How's life been going for you, Curtain Man? Uh, I like hanging up curtains. Well, you don't have to give him such a accent. He's not Sling Blade. Mm. No, <laughs> got any curtains in there. All right. Was that it? Who's doing Billy Bob Curtain hey, Guy over there? I ain't got no curtains in it. Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton, the Curtain Guy. That was that was Jimmy. So this is y'all got any biscuits for sale in there? That is a terrific Curtain Guy impression. That is exactly what he said. I, I thank you. I thank you very much, sir. <laughs> These Jimmy's trying out. This is what else I've been doing. Is this this is answering the door for Curtain Guys and for people to come into our house and do things. So, because my office is facing the very front uh, yard, I can see see Billy Bob Thornton right now walking through the gate with the curtains. And this is my life. <laughs> is it's just constantly trying to write and go to like a really, you know, fun, creative place while people are hanging curtains in your house. It's horrible. So you you spend a lot of time at your desk. Yes, that's fair to say. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. How? What are your muses? What, what's on your desk? What is on my desk right now? Uh, okay, yeah. here's my muse. Uh, uh, I love a really, like, pungent, stinky candle. It's got to be, like, it has to smell like, like... Uh, like 
oaken absinthe or yeah, something. It's just like whatever the nastiest thing is because and I know that sounds like I don't know, sounds a little frou frou, but it's it's genuinely like it helps set the whole mood. So it's like, you know, the thing that I'm writing now is is, you know, sort of in a in a bit of a an earthier place, a little bit more of a woodsy thing. So it's you know, I've got this nasty candle to kind of just like envelop me. So it's like my instant sense, sense memory, I guess, of trying to, trying to ent- enter that world. Uh, that's a lot about sure, a candle. I get that's it. a lot about a candle, guys. Um, no, it's awesome. And then my other muse is uh, always just like a pad of paper for me to just doodle on and scribble on. And then here's the big thing that I, 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 I got myself. I'm standing at my desk right now, guys. I'm actually standing. So I have a standing desk that lowers and raises. Here, listen to this. You ready? Can you hear this? Yeah. Can you hear that? It sounds like a kindergarten bell. That's an actual desk lifting and raising, right? So that's half really the time cool. you're like sitting, half the time you're standing. Because otherwise, you know, I would just be a complete blob and my spine <laughs> would look like a question mark. Uh- like a sleep natch. Yes, it's just like a sleep natch. Nice reference. Thank you. Thank you. Well played, well played, Jimmy. Jimmy. Thanks, man. Um, and yeah. my other muse is hey Rob. We we could probably go. They they seem to have a thing That's going. That's it. It's on. Yeah, I, they, they got it covered. Um, you want to get some lunch? <laughs> yeah, guys, give us a second, will you? Um, <laughs> so, and what else do we have? I'm I'm looking at my the toady puppet that I had made. I, t- I told you guys about last year, right? You did. Yeah, you did. still, yes. still yes. got Toadie Puppet. Toadie Puppet's hanging out in the corner there. Money well spent. Uh, some weird bugs framed and pictures of my kid and my wife. And How, how does the kid feel about the Toadie Puppet? Oh, it, that was been introduced yet? So, yeah, because I shot something with him like a year and a half ago where, you know, the Toadie Puppet was in there and he didn't seem to mind. He didn't really, it didn't really register. But now that he's older... He, he points to the closet where, where I keep him, and he just goes, ow, ow, ow. So he knows <laughs> that, like, a monster is in the closet. And so the, 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 the sculptor who made it convinced me to buy two of them from him. He was like, hey, I did two of them. Why don't you get the second? I was like, ah, oh, fine. I'll buy two toadies from you now. So I have two toadies. So I put one in my closet, and then there were two in there. So I was like, ah, you know, I should probably just like move that one to the guest like closet. So I, I, I put that one in the guest closet. So my son ran from that closet, ran to the guest bedroom. And then when I opened that one accidentally, oh, no. now that toady was in there in that closet. So now I think he thinks every closet is just packed with toadies. Oh, no. <laughs> it, was, it was a total dad fail. It was a big, big dad fail. Little, little, little closet goblins everywhere. And I keep being like, no, 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 he can't hurt you. Don't worry, he's not real. But he's, 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 he's a little scary. That toady puppet's a bit, bit dramatic for, for the boy. So we hide the toady puppet. But I, I brought him out just for the podcast. And then forget about it. Oh, shoot. oh no, sorry. It's also in the other closet too. So he's not a big. Gotcha. So we got uh, book, one, book one and now book two. Um, just, you know, writing book one and book two, how were, how did you find it different? Did you find uh, book two things went smoother? You were able to get in the head of the characters more? Did it? Uh, book one, I had a lot more time to write because, you know, um, I, 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 I wrote it because I wanted to really write it and it was a joy. So I really loved writing it. And I just took, you know, took a lot of time to really dive into the detail of it. And then when it got published, the publisher said, okay, cool. So now we need two more. So 
get us one by, you know, six months from now. So book two was, and book three was written in a bit of a fury of, okay, we've got to, we have to really dive in. Uh, there's not a lot of room for just kind of for daydreams, imagining on the page in real time. It's like a real time render. You're like, oh, great. Yeah. No, I like that too. So, uh, I speak in my language. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and so, so, so book two, book two, I, I, I really did like being able to dive in and get deeper with the characters and take uh, babysitters on a, on a bigger journey and really start to expand the world. Cause you know, I feel like book one, just like any kind of, you know, the first season of a TV show or like the first 10 minutes of a movie or the, or the pilot of a TV show, you can always kind of play with the mystery um, and tease the audience um, and be like, oh yeah, that's, that's the, that's in our London office. Don't even worry about that one. That monster, that's that monster. And I engaged in battle years ago, but like, that's it. All you have to say is that. And you're like, oh, cool. That sounds like really, that sounds really detailed. And then book two, book three, you're like, oh dude, this mythology is getting big. Like this is getting much bigger than I thought that it was going to. Um, and so you really have to build that out and also have that be cohesive, make sense, tie in with the first book, the second book and the third book, um, and sort of, and, and really kind of arc it into a, a good story. So, um, book one, uh, does lead into book two nicely. And then book, and then book two kind of says, okay, now we're, we're going off on a much, on a much bigger journey. Um, and it the culmination of book two, you know, it's nice to have a plan. It's sort of the the Marvel version of storytelling versus the Star Wars version of storytelling. So it's like, yeah, it's a good idea to have everything kind of feed into one of them and all make sense instead of just mm -hmm. kind of telling random stories about random parts and filling in blanks. It's nicer to have it all build towards a, a great climax, which book three does. Excellent. I had this question a little further down on my list here, but you mentioned some filmmaking stuff. So I don't know if this is because I've known you forever. But I always thought of you as like the, the film guy back in high school and whatever. And you're, you're like the non-creepy version of the kid from American Beauty. Like you're, wow. you'd film stuff for, yeah. for the school. <clears throat> and so when I was reading the most recent book, there are some sequences in there that are written almost perfectly for film. Yes. Even though it's in, in a novel. And I don't know. I didn't know if that was something that I was picking out because I'm knowing you or something that I just it just happened. The one sequence that actually, like, I could see how it would be edited mm -hmm. into a, a movie was the um, the diaper sequence, right. which is, you know, overall, it's a small sequence. But the way it's mentioned, the way it, the way it climaxes, so to speak, I was like, well, I could totally see exactly how this is edited, exactly how the music would be right. cut, the, and so on and so the, forth. The, uh, the decoy where the trolls, where they use the diaper decoy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, yes. you know, I, I'm, I, you know, I... I wish that I grew up sort of reading great literature and, you know, fantastic novels, and brilliant writers, but I grew up watching TV and movies, you know? So like, that's the language that was really my first storytelling language. So, you know, whenever I'm, whatever I'm writing, it's always going to have a very visual component, cinematic component to, um, just because I, that's, that's always engaging to, to me, but also I, as a kid, whenever I read books, it was always the stuff that really leapt out and kind of felt like you could feel that a pace to it and a really kind of um, mm -hmm. engaging mm -hmm. misdirect. And also, yes, yeah, you know, the great part about being able to write 
books is you get to be the director, the producer, the composer, set designer, the editor, the cinematographer. I get to sort of tell a whole story, a whole movie to you just with words. And so, yeah, that sequence, I, you know, yeah, we sort of know a sequence like that. It's a very familiar fake out sequence. So kind of, mm-hmm. it was fun to write it and be like, okay, neat. Well, this would, here's exactly how this is going to pay off. And here's exactly how this um, piece of the information should be doled out so that the audience, the reader goes, Oh, they're going to get caught. Oh, good. It's a good switcheroo. Just like in a, you know, a great sequence in a movie. So um, everything that I write, I always try to bring a kind of directorial eye to it just because that's always the stuff that I'd love to, to read. Um, and uh, that's just, that's just how I write. You don't write screenplays for 20 years and then write a book and have it be like, you know, not movie esque. Um, so I'm very much, which is cool. I'm glad that you picked that up on that. That's cool. I, I really love to be able to watch a movie play out. I'm sorry, watch a mm. book play out in my head. And that helps me, you know, tremendously. Um, you're, this book, I could not put it down. Thanks, man. So, you know, the sequences, it's just so, you know, all right, one more chapter. What I really like about this, and I think what connects as the kid in me, is that the chapters are, for the yes. most part, part yeah. bite-sized. That's a big part of the editor doing that, and, too, Maria Barbo. She's just relentless mm-hmm. um, with chopping with cutting and being like, look, you've got to get, you've got to get your okay. chapters down. And there is a certain rhythm, you know, that you want, you do you know, you always want to keep, keep them reading, keep them guessing. It's sort of just like a, just a breathless ride. But originally in the book, there were, there were a hundred, there's a hundred pages that she cut. She was just like, no, you got to cut all this. I think I turned in like a 400 page. And she was like, dude, this is, this is a kid's book. I was like, I know, but I wrote an epic. Isn't that great? And she's like, no, it's no, it's boring. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. Because yeah, you, know, you start to write, and if you're having a good time and you're really, you're really rolling with it, it's just, it's going to, you can't kind of stop that desire to keep telling more of the story and you could just go into crazy detail. Um, yeah, there was a whole bit with a mummy um, in it, and I loved, I loved it. Yeah, but it was just like gone. Yeah, we don't need like, you know, 20 pages on the mummy because it's just boring and dusty. And also it's like, it's that's not the story. The story is you're with these kids on this crazy mm-hmm. journey. You don't really want to cut away too much um, from that. So that'll, that, that would really. Well, and the, the small chapter size definitely helps me read more. Um, yeah. like at the end of the night when I'm yeah. starting to fall asleep. Cause I'm like, I'm like, Oh, you know, cause if you, if you're starting to feel tired and you're looking at the next chapter and it's like 25 pages, <laughs> you're like, yeah, I'm never going to make it through that. But then you look at the next chapter and it's like three or four pages. You're like, Oh, oh I can read through that before I fall asleep. And then it's, yeah, yeah then it's four yeah. o'clock in the morning. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That was the best. And I you remember go. reading Salem's lot when, uh, I was in, I think it was eighth grade and I was like supposed to be, it was like, Greg, do you remember? I mean, I think everyone knows exam week, but exam week was particularly hellacious for our middle school because I just remember just dreading it. Yeah, it was a good, because they were, they were good teachers. Turns out they were actually doing a great job, but I just, just like hated yeah, right. it so much. And so during exam week, I decided to read Salem. I don't know why it was Salem's lot. But I just couldn't put that was the first book that I was like, oh, books are amazing. Like this thing is incredible. And it was that like 
oh shit, yeah. it's four in the morning. I haven't studied anything. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least those vampires are dead, you know? <laughs> uh, while, while you were talking, you mentioned some other screenplays and other writing stuff you were working on. So uh, other than the book, what have you been working on? Um, right now I'm writing a pilot for the new Disney streaming service, I guess. The, I don't know if it's, if you call it a channel, but it's just Disney's Netflix. Um, and I'm writing The Unexplainable Disappearance of Mars Patel. It's based on a podcast, a really great podcast. Um, which is- Guys, we're going to be famous. <laughs> oh, don't. That's what, I, that's, what I, that's what I say every single day, guys, and it hasn't been that. Um, so it's, <laughs> uh, it's really, it's, it's, um, it's, it's really fun. It's like sci-fi adventure. Um, and it's all, it is, it is very interesting that like, yeah, there it's all 12 year old kids. I don't know what my deal is, Greg, but it's like, yeah, that's, um, I, I love to go back to the well and go back to that, go back to middle school big time. It's, hey, you know, it's, it's fun for I know, myself to revisit those as well. So you keep going back to the well, I'll keep buying it up. Man. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, and you do write that. You do write that age pretty well. It's do, really, do, have you ever had an editor be like, "No, that's not what they would say there." Oh yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes in babysitters, that's why it's you know. I think it's if you want to write, if you want to tell stories, you have to have, I guess, thick skin or just be able to talk about your 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 work um, and be open to other people's ideas and thoughts about it. Because yeah, I could I, I'm. I've written dialogue or, or, you know, moments before where it's like, that's an adult talking. You're, you're not, you're not that, you know, you're not, you're not having the, the sort of the kid voice anymore. And so I think it's always very helpful to give your work to as many people as possible to read and then say, well, actually maybe the, you know, maybe this rather than that, or this kind of bumps me here. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know why, I guess. Yeah. It's just that, 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 that time is primal and firm in my brain. Um, and that's what they keep paying me for. So I keep writing that. They're enabling me. They're enabling me, my, my stunted, my stunted growth. <laughs> um, so I'm writing Mars Patel right now for Disney, which is pretty cool and fun. I'm on, I'm on page five right now, guys. Um, so that'll be really, really cool. And I have something at Universal, which uh, is a big sort of sports epic about a huge sports figure but I can't really talk about that right now. Great. That's okay. We have a great director attached to it, um, phenomenal producers, um, and hopefully we'll be able to talk about that because it's the it's the Blake Bortles story. It, it, <laughs> Just saying. Uh, Sorry, we have it. Before you got on, I've been making terrible jokes about my French bulldog and Blake Bortles. I don't know if you follow football, but he's the quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh. I've been referring to my my um, snoring dog as Blake Snortles. <laughs> So, no. thus the the random reference but, there. Uh, no, but it, it is not the Blake Snortles story. Um, though I would, okay. I would love to see, I would love to see that. They need more sports animal movies, don't they? They really do. They really, they really. <laughs> Airbud. Yeah, Airbud one through eight, and that was about it. Airbud <laughs> is what? like an entire industry. Like that's actually, if you yeah, do a deep dive. Whoever's listening, look up Airbud, and you'll be like, wow, there's like Airbud. Studios, the crazy world, all from yeah. There's a strong possibility the original Air Bud not alive anymore. Strong, so, strong possibility. Yeah, I'm not sure. If, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not sure I want to go down that that. Well, I, I just want to live in a world where Air Bud is just going to live forever. Yeah, just play them on on repeat. Exactly. 
Um, so yeah, I'm doing that, and uh, I finished book three, so book three will be out next summer. We'll be doing it. Guys, this time next year, let's do it all again. Let's keep going. I'd love to. Um, yeah. I'm going to hold you to that. All, all right. I'm down. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's been, it's been, it's been a good time, man. It's been a really good time. I'm going to go ahead and let you know that there is a lovely display of your books at the Barnes and Noble in the center of Boston. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I, there wasn't when I went into that Barnes and Noble, but I saw a bunch <laughs> of your books. <laughs> he just grabbed them all and took them up to one of the front tables nice. and set them up. <laughs> I, I'm not lying. Do it. <laughs> That's amazing. I was, I was there for a couple of weeks ago for a Pearl Jam concert, and I was at the uh, at Barnes and Noble in like this beautiful hotel plaza thing, and they had like a book of of scary children's books. And I went in the back, and they had they had quite a few of your books. So I'm like, okay, let's make this happen. So I did. I I, I kind of put some in there. So That's great, oh, I need to get a veto and do that. Um, Greg went up and pushed all the uh, five dollar build your own sushi kits off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just just onto the floor. They were, he was like, "Man, forget this. This is what are we don't need this sushi." Uh, there, there is a. Um, you mentioned that there needs to be more animal sports movies. Um, I I watched relatively recently. Uh, there's one called Russell Madness. What? It came out in 2015. Russell Madness. Yeah, it's a a, a terrier that. Um, I'll just go ahead and read it. When a man inherits his grandfather's arena, he and his family try to restore the family wrestling business with the help of a talking monkey and their star attraction, a wrestling dog. Whoa. The Jack Russell Terrier, Terrier with a little monkey for a manager. Whoa. That's... And he talks. Okay, so At first uh, I was like, why would you watch this? And now I'm like, why haven't yeah, I watched why it? Haven't... Don't, don't forget uh, Most Valuable Primate and Soccer Dog. Most MVP, Most Valuable Primate. Or Gus. Yep. There's this. There's this. And Ed with Matt LeBlanc. Yeah. There's a scene in uh, in Russell Madness where this little Jack Russell Terrier like beats somebody to death. It's very <laughs> very bizarre. <laughs> what? I, I, I'm watching it like he just killed that guy. Um. Yeah. The I'm surprised they actually made a dog wrestling movie and made it a comedy. You know what? I wasn't down for that until you said the monkey is his manager, and then I was like, oh, now I absolutely yep. need to. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> he dr- he dresses. He's got a little towel and a little uh like. Yeah, get in there, kid. We um. I I pitched a I pitched a movie about a you know sort of a talking animal movie to to Universal a few months ago, and it was basically you know the bad guys are. They want to bring the dogs into their their dog fighters, and I was like, "Yeah, but you know, they'll be funny because they'll be wearing the dogs will be wearing like luchador masks, and you know, the guy like, <laughs> over the top, and he thinks that like you know he wants to make like UFC for dogs, and he's gonna like make it popular." And the the executive of the studio was just like, "No, like we cannot make dog oh, man. fighting movie." He was like. We made Babe 2, Pig in the City, and we are still talking about what a debacle that movie was. Like, we cannot possibly enter the ring, pun intended, with a bunch of dog wrestling. Yeah, I was like, yeah, but it's going to be funny. Nope, nope, nope. So I can't wait to see these uh, this underground dog how, fighting. How do, those pitches, how do those pitches go? Like, how often do you get to do them? It, I do you... them, I probably, probably once or twice a month, you know? Um, they're basically wow. like, like little performances, uh, or at least that's how, that's how I treat them, because that's as far as it's going to get sometimes. So, you know, when you're pitching 
I pitched uh, I pitched on Young Sherlock Holmes. I guess they want to remake it. And I was like, oh, dude, I, I would love, you know, I love that movie as a kid. Of course, of course I'm going to try to, mm-hmm. you know, to do that. And I did not get that job, but I loved pitching it, you know, because I was like, oh, I get to tell my story. And I kind of do this thing where I like, um, I convince myself that it's all going to happen and everything is just going to be amazing. So you're just like, you know, you're just up there and just at the peak of just, just uh, delusion and just like, you know, insanity. So that when you do pitch, you pitch your heart out and, and you tell a great story. And, you know, sometimes people applaud. Sometimes people just stare at you. Uh, sometimes people say, great. All right, well, let's do it. And, um, and you just got to keep going with it. And it's, 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 it's bizarre. It is bizarre that it's like, you know, this much, this, you know, this sort of this, that a lot of it is just based on your 10 to 15 presentation of the idea. Um, and you really got to get it across. I used to do voices a lot uh, when I first started. And I remember I like stood up in this guy's office one time and he goes, Oh God, you're not going to do voices. Are you? And I was like, so young that I was like, yes, I am. Get ready. Like, it was like, <laughs> screw you. You're here. I'll do it. Like, no, no, no. So that's a, that's a nice go. So it's kind of. I feel like that was Harvey. I feel like that was Harvey Weinstein. Uh, no, we didn't. We did uh, pitch to, we pitched to Bob Weinstein one time. It was a remake of Halloween, like years ago, years, years, years ago. And he goes, and so we had a, um, I, uh, I wrote a movie, uh, Dance the Dead, for, uh, that my buddy Greg Fisher directed. And so we went in and we were just a little a horror writing team for a, for a second. And we pitched the remake of Halloween. But I remember when they were like, why would they remake Halloween? Like, it's a perfect movie. Like, there's been 20 of them. Why, why is anyone going to want to see? What's the point? And then, you know, you meet the producers and they're like, oh, no, we love you guys. You should do it. And so you just get all worked up. And then you go and you meet the big boss and uh, the old boss, same as the new boss. And uh, and so a minute into pitching, you know, okay, so it's 20 years later. Literally, you just hear Bob Weiss just go, stop, 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 stop. Guys, guys, why are we making this movie? Why is this movie getting made? There's been so many of these movies being made. Why would you? Why is anyone going to see this movie? And it was just like, oh my god, what, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? This guy said the same thing that I was thinking three months ago, um, and and then he walked out. He literally walked out of the pitch. It was like, you know, you try to like salvage it and just be like, well, actually, I really think, uh, well, because the current, uh, well, I, this is why it's going to be different. And he's just like, hold on, hold on, hold on. And he gets out, he walks out. And then like, and then you're just stuck with his like horrified assistant. And they go, okay, so um, Bob has to go. But what, he said he really enjoys it. Just finish the pitch to me. And you're just like, are you, you seriously? I got I to gotta do this dog and pony show no. for this Schmendrick right now? Oh, man. Yeah. The Schmendrick, Schmendrick. I know. Sometimes. My old never heard that comes out the more more I talk about Hollywood. You've never seen the uh, you've never lived. You've never seen the last unicorn. Oh yes, Schmendrick. Schmendrick. Yeah, was this Schmendrick is the magician in it, isn't it? Yes, it is. Thank you for getting that. Great book. Great book. Last unicorn. Great book. Really beautifully written. Sidebar. 
You uh, led me to another question that, again, I had further down the list, but you mentioned Dance of the Dead. Um, there was just an anniversary, correct? There was. We had a zombie prom in Hollywood. Good times. We miss you guys. Where were you? I would have totally gone to that. <laughs> but, you know, living all the way across the country, a little bit of a problem. A <laughs> little problem. A mm. little problem. Yeah, yes. it was fun, man. It was fun. Uh, it was really cool to... It's crazy because I haven't seen that movie in, like, you know, 10 years. And then you watch it again and you go... Oh man, this is a fun little, this is a fun movie. You know, you just love it. And then you go, oh man, like the end of the movie is just them going into high school with the bombs and locking zombies into high school and blowing them up. And you go, ooh boy, times have changed. It was, you know what I mean? You're just like, I wouldn't be cool with doing that now. You know, you would be like, that's weird, dude. I feel weird. Cause, and then there's just a, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff that you're like, nope, wouldn't have done that nowadays. But it's great because it's a time capsule of, of that period of, you know, creativity in our lives that we were just... Oh, I, I see movies all the time, like old movies that I'm like, oh my God, this movie would never get made to... Like Blazing Saddles? Holy... Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen that yeah. movie? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that wow, that movie would never get made Yeah, <laughs> or at least it just wouldn't be made by like, you know, an old old guy, you know, old white guy, you know? It's like, it, yeah. it would be something mm-hmm. else. Yeah, yeah. But... You know, I guess that's the, that's the time. Yeah. What about, um, so yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff that never get made. But then you can't go back and like, you know, like with Spielberg taking guns out of E.T. It's like, dude, walkie talkies are not impressive. You know, when he did his like re-release or whatever, the 20th anniversary of the re-release, it was like, I, I, what are you going to do when you catch me? Yeah, call for backup? Just, like, <laughs> ah, just leave it alone. Let it be. It's pure, you know. Um, pure mistake. Well, what it was at the time, yeah. yeah. What it was at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, guys. Yeah, so that was Dance of the Dead. It was really fun, and it was just great to see the like the kids. You know, there were kids when we made it, and now they're it's ten years later, so they're they've grown up, and it was just really cool to see all of them grown up and turning into young adults, um, adults basically. Um, yeah. Do they do a lot of those like anniversary type screenings? I mean, out there. Well, I mean, I guess it's easier. Eric Anderson, who uh, runs the Daily Dead, was interviewing me about Babysitter's Guide, and he was like, "Oh, by the way, I love Dance the Dead." And I was like, "Oh, thanks." And he was like, "No, no, no, I love Dance the Dead," and was like, proceeded to just like recite line after line. I was like, "This kid's crazy about this movie." Like, so basically. Just total, this is just very Greg and I, where I was just like, Greg, we should get this kid to organize a 10th anniversary screening. And Greg's like, that's a great idea. <laughs> Derek, go for it. So basically this Derek just organized the entire screening. And so Greg and I could just sit back and eat popcorn and, and watch our movie again with an audience. So they don't, because they don't do those very often. You know, there, it's a lot of, a lot of effort to get everybody back together again, but had had a great group of friends on that. So, yeah. yeah, I was wondering if that was a thing because um, we just got to see Summer of '84. Oh yeah, um, with one of the actors at a small theater we have here called the Enzian, mm-hmm. and it was such a cool experience, like seeing the movie and then like the actors like right there and then came up and talked to us for a little bit and stuff like that. Yeah, and then just I just love all the stories about how they made it, what was happening during that scene, mm-hmm. and what they really wanted it to be. Yeah, what, what their mm-hmm. intention was behind it. Yeah, it's just it's pretty rad. Yeah, you get a lot of those now. Like now we're doing, we're entering award season. So now we just get to go and see the movie. And then afterwards, the director will come up, the writer will come up, the actor will come up and talk about the, the awesome movie. They just pretty incredible. So it's 
Pretty cool place to be. If ever you're out here during award season, guys, I'll take you to one of these and really rep. Uh, like, it made seeing the post hopefully. awesome. Because you're like, oh my God, there's Meryl Streep, Tom Hanks, and Steven Spielberg on stage at the same time. This is the greatest movie I have ever seen. Then afterwards, you're like, that movie was it is good. good. But, you know, it's not Moonlight or, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's a great movie. But yeah, it's yeah. just like, it just makes the experience so, so incredible when you see the guys afterwards. Uh, can you tell us just about any, like, cool fan interactions relating to the books? You know, like, have you run into people? Have you talked to people that have, you know, the book has changed their life or they've started babysitting uh, because of it or something like that? <laughs> they probably stopped babysitting as a result of it. Yeah. Um, no, it's just been really fun to, to meet the kids who have read it and just hear them talk about how, oh, this part, you know, what part they really love. And it's, that's, that's the best. It's just hearing audience reactions. I don't know if we've saved anybody's life yet or if they've said, you know, I was considering, you know, jumping and then I read your book. Like, you know, I hope, I hope one day, I hope one day it can, it can have that effect on somebody. But I think right I now. Was the, I was the outcast kid and I read your book and now it turns yeah. out that I just convince everyone that I'm hunting monsters. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but it's just, yeah, it's been it ha- it has been super fun to like meet you know meet. I don't know if they're fans yet. Here's the thing: I gen- I just am like I just I one day I just want to meet someone who's dressed up like you know that would just cool that would just blow my mind. That would be Rob, the best. you're our resident puzzler. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Rob, <laughs> are you gonna dress like Kelly for Halloween? That would be phenomenal. I might. I might. Now, if I can figure out how to work the the Kevin costume, I might uh, I might do that one. Yeah, that would be. Fun. Do you remember we went to high school with a Kelly Ferguson, by the way? Oh yeah, by the way, I did. Yes, I do realize that one day she probably will contact me and be like, "Dude, what? That's my name." Mm-hmm. Yeah. She she Rob she worked with us at Publix actually. Oh, did she really? And she grew up in our neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. I, Kelly, I did not base this on you. I just remember being amazed that we went to high school with with someone who was who was uh, the exact spelling and the exact same name as the famous Tomb Raider character. I was like, really? Yeah. Wow. All right. I mean, it's just such an odd name to, yeah, to, to have exact. And I was like, okay, you can say Lara Croft. (laughs) Well, yeah. Thinking it. Um, Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Lara Croft was Tomb Raider out back then though. Yes, I believe it was. It was relatively new, or it came out. It came out just before, or right as we were in high school. Poor girl. Okay, so so we're talking about fans. We're talking about that. Um, there are a bunch of fans. I read some of the reviews. Um, I, I also like to look at the negative reviews, and of the negative views, nice. the reviews there there was one uh-huh. that you're gonna have to explain. Okay. Uh, you're gonna have to. I don't know. You're gonna have to apologize or something. Uh, the reviewer is MKH MKH and wrote. The book scared the shit out of my 11 and a half year old daughter. Oh yeah. But she but she loved it. I threw it away after a couple of chapters because she was getting scared. Scared me too once I started reading st- stuff about the graveyard. Yeah. Uh, you're a monster. Sorry. I um <laughs> you know, sorry. You know. Yeah, it's a scary book. Sorry, not sorry. Whatever. Sorry. Um yeah, I, I do I do tell people now. I do say like how old is your kid? You know, because I think sometimes, you know, yeah, I, I, I you know, I don't, I, I did not realize like, oh yeah, how drastically scary it can be for kids. Probably until, you know, <laughs> some kids read it and you get that and you go, oh, right. Yeah. This is, this is, this I, is yeah. I, 
I mean, I haven't finished the book yet. I'm I'm most of the way through it, but I haven't encountered anything that an 11 year old shouldn't be able to handle. Yeah, I think an 11 year old kid can definitely can definitely handle the book. It's probably more like eight, nine. That's that's kind of, that's definitely that's been interesting with, with talking about making. With talk, there's my child right now. Terrible. It's oh. the start of the book right there. It's the start of the book. Um, but it's been you know the conversations about the um, about the movie have been very helpful, especially, um, you know, Ivan Reitman, who made Ghostbusters, keeping kind of enforcing the, the comedy of it and the fun of it, um, rather than the scares of it. I know. Meanwhile, that's, that's me just locking my son in the trap door. Somebody is totally not happy. That's the, the famous baby. Oh, yeah. From said book. I know. I like that. Yeah. I protect the turtle. Protect the turtle. Protect the turtle. Um, on Christmas, I mean, uh, do you see any parallels there? I don't know. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I like that each holiday kind of has a each book a different holiday that they will be sort of exploiting and sort of playing with. And so this is obviously a Christmas story. So it's literally okay. she's like, I guess she's, I guess she's Mary, or she's Joseph in this in this instance, and she's got to protect the the, the savior of the babysitters. That's yeah. that, that, so uh, which be which of days. which of the boogeyman is going to get Columbus Day? <laughs> a really pissed one. She's like, ugh, God. The indigenous people hate this holiday. We all do. We all just, we're all just, I feel like there's a groundswell of, of hating that holiday happening. Um, so maybe that would actually be a good one because maybe the boogeyman would actually be very excited uh, to have such a hated holiday. I think going too deep into that in a, a kid's book might yeah. be a, a terrible idea along the, along the lines of. Uh, Professional dog fighting. Yeah, exactly. Hang on just one second, guys. Oh, oh guy. He got out of the cellar somehow. I told you to put your handcuffs. <laughs> <laughs> I think those handcuffs on. Oh, God. Oh. oh, man. He's back in his cage. Yep. <laughs> Good. Back in the cellar. Eat your fish heads and shut up. I told you not to break those chains. <laughs> I wanted to ask you a couple of things that I, I thought was great that you could work into, you know, a, a novel for young adults, although they may probably don't have any idea what they mean. I certainly appreciate it. Um, when speaking of the Amulet of Taka-Ra. Uh, I was just going to mention that, too. <laughs> um, right. I, I took a picture of this as I was falling asleep uh, last night. The method of incantation, I guess, the words that you have to say are Klaatu, Verata, Nektu. Oh, yeah. yeah. Obviously an Army of Darkness reference. Yes. Yes, it, yes. There's lots of, like, little things like that where I'm just kind of writing. I'm like, oh, I love that. Yeah. There's like, uh, the the one directly underneath that, though, was another reference, and uh, both of them just made me giggle. The, the one right underneath the amulet of Takara is electrical weaponry can be useful in dispersing a ghost and scattering its energy patterns into the ether. CP for a photon pack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. All these little. Yeah. These little... Oh, uh, the, just the other one was, um, you know, Halloween, also known as. I read that. Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. Uh, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, I, I love and I appreciate those little things and those little things that you put in there just keep me, you know, searching for yeah. those. So, so it's fun for adults too, is what I'm mm -hmm. saying. Yeah. That's, I mean, cause I am an adult writing it, so I've got to entertain myself. Um, and I, and I also do feel like there's, I don't know, I think that this, I think we're in an age now, at least with, you know, these kind of books that adults 
like them and we'll read them. I, I think we're kind of, it's cool to read it. And I think adults, you know, kind of the more geek culture and just be like, cause I've had, you know, been to book fairs and like grown people have come up and been like, Oh my God, I love this book. And like engaged in it and been like, yeah, I really want to read this. And it's like, yeah, you can tell they're, it's the people who are like reading comic books and uh, those like that. Mm-hmm. Really oh yeah. Well, I always mock my wife for some of the stuff that she'll like watch. And I can't say it on the air or else I will end up divorced. Um, oh, okay. No, like, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, you know, I, I spend all day, uh, you know, working and thinking about things and trying to solve problems and do all that stuff. When I get home, I want to relax and watch something that's like lighter. Mm-hmm. And I think that can go with reading too. You know, like people want to occasionally read something that's lighter and fun. Yes. Yeah. You don't want to get home and read War and Peace after working a full day. Yeah. Wait, I've never read War and Peace. I'm so I just finished it this morning. <laughs> um, hey, I'm so curious. Wait, does your wife watch like Criterion Collection stuff? Is she watching really great movies? Or no, no, no. She would, it goes the other way. She's like, no, no, she, watch like, the Batman. Hallmark. No, no, she doesn't Hallmark. do the homework. Like Little Housewives of she, South. She literally just texted me as I was saying that. I'm convinced that she somehow knows. Wow. Uh-oh. She's she might have a she might have a tap. Wait, have you guys seen here's the thing. I think you you get to counteract that with there is a reality show about guys who make swords. They forge their own swords. And uh, how have I not seen this? It's on YouTube, right? They go through No, it's on it's on TV too. It's, it's nope. a real thing. And then they go through an obstacle course. And proceed to, yeah, they have to get through the obstacle course by using their sword and chopping through, Holy like, shit. they have to chop through, like, you know, uh, blocks of ice and then buckets of sand and then stab the octopus. Like, it's crazy. It's the cool, it's so just dude central. I mean, it is amazing. What is it called? Rob is fully aroused right now. I maybe a little bit, yes. <laughs> and it's like it's called like, forged in oh dude, forged in fire. Guys, history channel. Fully aroused. Dude. That's Rob. Full mm-hmm, full mm-hmm. full mast. You are just standing at attention right now. Dude. <laughs> I totally have. Like, the guys come on, the guys Do you have, have a camera in my room somewhere? The guys come on there just like some of them are, are chefs. Oh, I'm going to oh wait. <laughs> oh, wow. Some of them are chefs. Some of them are just like guys wearing kilts, and then you know, some of them are like bushido blade guys. It's the it's insane because what they have to do is they have to hack through certain obstacles, and then uh, some of those obstacles will be filled with red paint, so that as they're hacking into it, like it looks like blood is splattering out. It's the it's like a show that Michael Myers is just sitting at home, just eating popcorn and watching, you know. They're all loving this. It's so bizarre. Rob will not say another word on this podcast because yeah. he has muted the thing and he's just going to go and watch it. <laughs> well, uh, Red, Nicolas Cage's character in the movie oh, Mandy, yeah. uh, forges his own scythe. <laughs> so that's another reason to watch it. <laughs> yeah, have you, uh, you have not seen Mandy yet? No. Is that what we determined? I have not seen I'm really good. dying to see that. I finally saw Hereditary. Have you guys seen that? Oh, one? that's good. Oh, yeah. We we discussed it on a previous episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a good messed up one. 
that sequence with the kid in bed, kind of comatose, and the mom outside the window, and you just hear it, is one of the most painful sequences in a good way that I've ever seen in film. Yeah, yeah that's a like the acting, and it's just sound is incredible. Yeah, it's pretty- yeah. When the mom finds the uh, the daughter's yeah. corpse, in yes, yeah, that's disturbing. I find you, you guys, you guys all have kids, hmm? kids, kids. Yeah, I do. Just you, just you. Uh, yes, just great. Um, because I find now that I have a kid, it's kind of like ruined horror films for me. Because I'm like, I that's I don't I don't want to go to that dark place, you know? Because I can't. I t- asked Jimmy. I told him that. Like, I Jimmy is my when he sees a horror movie for me. That's he always comes back and says, "Don't see this one. There's kids. I can't do it." Sucks because yep. I mean, like they just you know they had the trailer out for the new Pet Cemetery, and I'm like, no. Um, no, I know, I know that movie. Mm-hmm. No way, I don't want to see that movie at all. There's a a scene when in the trailer when they first get to the house and it, oh, it's nice and yeah. peace and quiet, and you see that eighteen wheeler yeah. flying down the road behind their house, and I go, ooh, ooh. that's yeah, nope, yeah, I'm not, I will not be seeing that. I will. That's the amazing thing about <laughs> about Stephen King was that he would I, go I, there, he would do mm-hmm. that stuff. I mean, it's one thing to be like, I don't want to watch that movie for two hours. Now imagine you're writing that book for months. Like, that's your every day. You're, like, waking up and going, okay, so we're at the pet cemetery now. We're burying the child. Like, ugh, dude, I can't. That's why I write funny, fun kid stuff, you know? I guess that's why. And he, he had a kid that age at that time, I would assume. Yeah. Because yeah. His, his son is about our age. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if it was Owen or, or Joe Hill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. all of the mm-hmm. stuff. The Shining... I mean, that was like him accidentally breaking his son's arm. And I think The Shining was his third book or something, and he was just hitting it hard. And, uh, like, the bottle and everything like that. And I think he was like, I'm either going to, like, continue down this path of just writing, like, straight scary horror things, or I can actually write about this time when I accidentally broke my son's arm because drinking so much. And that was what he said really changed his mind about writing and about kind of writer he was he would actually lean into that true personal horror um that um, I'm, I'm i'm i don't want to do that just i like monsters and fantasy but to actually do that every single day that's a tough job dark we just went dark in the podcast guys sorry sorry we, we did um halloween horror nights did you guys go to that have you guys been to that universal yeah. about yes rob's been about 20 times i've been about four um what do they have <laughs> out there we were actually discussing it there uh, poltergeist. The houses are poltergeist, trick or treat, Stranger Things, Halloween Four. Um, there's like a plants take over the world kind of kind of one, which That's is really cool. cool, called Seeds of Destruction. Seeds of Destruction. Uh, it's Persian house. Yeah, the, yeah. I I did not like the Stranger Things one as much as I thought I would. Did you guys like that? It was just a bit a lot of Demogorgon jumping out. It's, a lot of Demogorgon. Here it's a. I don't know if it's the same house or not. I don't know if they lay them out the same. But here it's a it's a good house, but it's not. It's not my favorite. I, I don't think it's Greg's either, but I, I know it's not yeah. my favorite house. It, that one's hard because, like, two reasons. One, it, the line is so long that I have to go at the end of the night or else it's going to ruin my entire night there because I'll just be in line mm-hmm. the whole time. So you go after it, like, it's close to closing. So, one, the actors are kind of, like, done. <laughs> so you're getting and... them just like, look out, he's over there. Yeah. Boo. Yeah. Boo. <laughs> I'm a dead so that's one thing. The other thing is, like, you're when you wait in line, you, it better be really damn good if you wait in line yeah. for that long. So anything that's remotely not spectacular, is like, eh. 
Um, I thought Polter, I thought Poltergeist, Poltergeist was great. I thought Poltergeist is really fantastic because I that's like one of my favorite movies, and I just I love the I just love the effects that they did in that how they built the big beast thing, the closet monster, and that big skull at the end of the hallway. I was that was pretty pretty. We totally should have had him on last week. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! Did you guys do us last week? Uh, did they did they start off? We did it, uh, Poltergeist last week. Um, yeah. Did you? Uh, did they start off with a pool in what? Hollywood? What pool? No. What? Oh. No. It starts off in in Orlando. You walk you... into the you walk into the house. Oh no! What? Sorry. Go ahead. Wow. You walk into like the the backyard. Uh, they basically cut away the pool, so you actually walk into uh, the dirt, like a cross section of the dirt. And you're going through a tunnel, and there's all these like caskets kind of built into the wall, and like the the corpses are kind of what? falling out of them and stuff. It's very oh. cool, and it smells like it smells like dirt, like soil. It it's very disgusting. cool. Oh wow! Yeah, no, you walk into the front of the house. They've done like a sort of a small mock up of the house, and then you walk into the living room, and Carol Ann is there, and her back as you walk into the living room, and she's got the static on the okay. Um, okay. pool. That's actually kind of interesting. They do, so I guess they do do them differently each. They have yeah. tongue place. going across the kitchen counter on this one. Greg said doo doo. <laughs> he did. I did say doo doo. Um, uh, I went there. So what I recommend, I think you guys go all the time. I mean, I'm so impressed with how you guys are like such theme park heads. I really live it. Um, I went with uh, two friends who just I guess they're too fancy. So they me get the fast pass or whatever the quickie pass is so our experience the the express Express. our experience was two hours for the whole park we went through every single maze and by the end of the night it was just like overload of over uh stimulation i was like i didn't know where i I was like am i in a michael myers maze am i in the purge maze right now just because you're just constantly no lines that's all i'm gonna i recommend Drop a little bit more cash, but you've been like twenty times, so I, I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's that's why we do it because it's it's the same cost as a one night admission, or just a little bit more than a one night admission, basically. But you can go on every off night, so basically every non Saturday night. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's rad. And we can do like a couple houses and then sit around and talk for yeah. a little bit and kind of. We did not get to sit around next. and talk at all. We were just on a mission. We just blasted through that park it was it was terrific but it was just at the end you're like oh my god i am i think i've i've been scared silly i don't know what is happening i to the listeners nice excellent excellent okay so here here's what i want to do um i've written down a bunch of super quick questions that I, we're going to just go boom 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 and i'll ask you the questions if you don't mind and you can just give me the first answer that pops in uh, pops hey. in your head yes uh your favorite beverage to enjoy when you are writing bullet whiskey your <laughs> What is your favorite? At nine in the morning. Yeah. Uh, of course. <laughs> of course. What is your favorite movie. or the best worst movie? So your favorite, favorite bad movie. Oh, favorite bad movie? Popeye. Yes. Ooh, didn't this you? This is a little... Yeah, deep. little self-serving here, but uh, your favorite podcast. <clears throat> oh, give me five all day. Well, there you go. There you go. You don't actually have to answer that. Is Do you have a You heard it here. Like... <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. What do I like? I like don't... I, you know, I like all the Hollywood ones. Don't at me and script notes. Give me five. Um, is, is there the one like called like the business or something? I like that one. That's the I forget the name of it. But oh, the projection booth is a cool one too because that's like they mm-hmm. really projection booth. They like take a movie and then interview everyone involved in that movie. And I think they did a whole episode about Demolition Man. So it's just like awesome because it's just you know they yeah, it's a great movie. 
all three, all three screenwriters, the producer, the director. It's just really, it's great deep dive movies. But it's no. There is someone that. at Demolition Man has the three shells, right? It does have the three shells. Yep. Yep. Yeah. There's that. Uh, okay. I didn't want to get it mixed up. There was someone at one of the buildings I, I've worked in that always leaves three seashells in the in the men's bathroom <laughs> on, the, on the back of the urinal. Nice. And like, I'm sure that like, and they're different shells all the time. I'm sure they're just playing like a long running joke. And it, I don't know who that person is, but I love them. Yeah. Anyway, awesome. okay. Let's see here. Uh, we're gonna go with your favorite '80s you should, movie. You should set up a camera in the bathroom and catch that person. Yeah, that'd be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. that could not go wrong at all. And yes. then podcast that. That's a great idea. Uh, favorite favorite eighties. Um, let's go. Let's go. Et favorite eighties song. There's a theme there. Are we doing? A, we're all eighties here. I mean, no, 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 we're pretty much every eighties song. I don't know. Um, uh, uh, sure. The the correct answer is "Take on Me" by Aha. Okay, that is the correct answer. Yeah, I was going to say "Cruel Summer" by Bananarama, but okay. Also, also strong. Uh, your favorite talking animal movie, which somehow came up. Favorite talking animal movie. I gotta be real. Babe 2, Pig in the City. It's a dangerous, dangerous movie. Fantastic. There you go. Favorite horror movie. Favorite horror movie. Uh, probably a tie between Jaws. Not a horror movie, more of an adventure movie. And Halloween. Strong. Halloween is mine. Strong, strong. Yeah, we're get, we're gonna go. I feel like we need uh, more sound effects for this for this section of the podcast. I feel like we need a ding. <laughs> Rob's got one. There you go. <laughs> there we go. Rob's is a uh, boy. Now, what was that? What was yeah. that serious thrash right there? That was a great shred. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you saw. Did you do you watch Silicon Valley? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the epi- there was an episode this season, this past season, where uh, Gilfoyle was was mining. Um, Bitcoin, but it was only worth his while to do it while it was over a certain value, and it was really and he had that sound effect play. It's a Napalm Death song. He had that sound effect play whenever it hit the right value, but it was like a very volatile day. So the entire episode, that's all you heard, like pinging in the background. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's so, a great sound effect. So we stole it for our our podcaster. Well, we're gonna go therapist Greg here. Do you believe in monsters? Uh, yes. There you go. And but some of them. Nice. That's deep, yo. Ooh, you didn't know that. You didn't. You didn't see that one coming. Ooh. And that being said, which m- mythical monster scares you the most? Which mythical monster? Rosie O'Donnell. Whoa. Probably Cthulhu, just because he's just a dark. And, and which like monster him. would you like to have a beer with and discuss his motivations? Ooh, Dracula. Dracula. There you go. You know, just old school Bella. Just, just a good brew. So have a nice interview yes. with the vampire. Oh, oh boy, was that wow? That was a long way to go for that. That was a long way to go. You <laughs> really just kind of hung on to that one for all eight seconds. Great. I it's sucked good. it dry. Whoa! Oh. It was three. <laughs> he was so excited when when Joe actually answered the yeah, question. He's like, yes, yes I've got so perfect. many for these. <laughs> And of course, the most important question here: uh, Which would you rather fight, hmm. one horse-sized duck or one hundred duck-sized horses? <laughs> I would rather fight one horse-sized duck. I feel like yeah. I could take a horse-sized duck. A hundred little horses—they <laughs> would just they, they, the hooves would really hurt. That would really. That would... You're you're in good company there. Actually, Barack Obama answered the same way. Not to me, mind you. <laughs> Joe, you had <laughs> yeah, when we had uh, Barry on the podcast three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. listening to the podcast yeah. as often as you should. 
<laughs> but no, he did answer that question at, at one point, and he he pretty much had the same uh, thing. He said he felt that he could take the the horse sized duck, but he felt he would get overwhelmed by the hundred duck sized horses. I don't know those mm. du- those ducks are nasty. I mean, it's little like bones in its wings that they like flap and hit you with them. Nah, I'll take I mean, a, a I'll, the little ones. Yeah, I'll take a hundred. I'll take a hundred duck sized mm. horses. I would have a very hard time allowing myself to stomp on cute little duck horses. Hey, well, but that would disappear very quickly when they were stomping all over your feet and biting your ankles. This is like, and drawing blood. Yeah, I feel like this is like the island of Dr. Moreau, where it's like, yes. <laughs> welcome to Genetically Altered Podcast. Where are we? This one? is Genetic Park. Genetic Park. We've created a hundred horse-sized ducks. A hundred <laughs> duck-sized horses for your pleasure. This is a human man. <laughs> Park Unicorn, Park Man. Welcome to your fantasy. It's like the worst park ever. It's just like, it's like nightmare. <laughs> oh, God. This is Pig Baby. I breathe. Welcome, Pig Baby. <laughs> we have we have his next pitch. Uh, well, you guys are really oh, messing with the forces of nature with that last question. It's really, you're playing God right now. You're going to. It's really unsettling. You're going to do that for your next pitch, and, you're, and they're going to be like, wait. Aren't you the dog wrestling guy? The dog wrestling guy? Did you pick the pitch the Michael Vick story to us? Wow. <laughs> it was a comedy. Come on, guys. He redeems himself in the end. He goes back to work for the NFL. I don't see what's wrong with that. Wow. Oh, I thought that I thought that was a prison joke. No. No. <laughs> oh, he, he redeems, redeems himself in the end. In the end. Oh, Rob. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's enough of Rob. <laughs> <laughs> sound effect. Just give him a sound effect on that one. <laughs> okay. And I, I think as we are closing out here, we I think we got to close out the episode here with, with we're going to throw you right into this because we're really just torturing you every step of the yeah, way here. Um, we are going to do our top five question with you, and you have no preparation for this whatsoever. None. So. I have never met any of you. Oh, I, I didn't either. I thought we were just asking him. I did too. <laughs> I, 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 we are. We're going to just ask him. We can discuss this this later. But Jimmy, you came up with a question, so so bring the pain. I did. So I'll go ahead and, and set the uh, set the bar here. Our question of the week is the top five monster movies that are you know kid friendly. So. My number five is going to be Little Monsters. Right. Number four is Ernest Scared Stupid. That's very good. Although that, that movie scared the hell out of me when I was younger. I was way too old to be that scared of that movie. Number three is Harry and the Hendersons. Number two, Monsters, Inc. Number one. And Monster Squad is my number one. Monster Squad. I imagine that's everyone's number one, right? Which one? Monster Squad? Yeah, most likely. It should be. It better be. That's right. Who's going next? I don't have the list yet, so it's going to be... Uh, I'm going to let Joe be my surrogate. All right. uh, let's see. For me, uh, top five good monster for kids. I'm going to say witches, even though, big disclaimer on that one, parents, so scary. You know, that's monsters. They're giant witches, mice, right? Um, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Oh, that one got me, yeah. That was scary. Um, let's see. I would say uh, Curse of the Cat People. Uh, which is an old uh, Val Wheaton movie from 1944. Really cool sort of, um, let's see, what number am I at? Two. Uh, I'm going to go Monster Squad. I'm going to say the sibling. Oh, Monster House. Good one. Monster House. Um, oh, I enjoyed that. 
and then say, um, oh, uh, like Godzilla? Just, you know, in general, Godzilla. I think kids will probably love Godzilla. It's a great time. Um, uh, 20 Million Miles to Earth, the great Ray Harryhausen one. Uh, I say uh, probably the original King Kong. Probably pretty good for kids to watch. Good times for the kids. I'm going to say what's not good for the kids to watch of 10, which I did, in Toxic Avenger. That is a horrible month for kids to watch. <laughs> <laughs> That's a no-no. Do not watch that one. Um, I saw somewhere real quick that you can watch all the trauma films on YouTube right now for free. There's like a Halloween playlist really? they put out that has all of them. That's, a, mm-hmm. that's trauma. Just none of them. If you see any of those parents, just just go the other way. Um, yeah, I think, is that, did we do it? Is that it? Did I make it? Uh, I think your your top five had eight, but I'm okay blob, with that. You know, let's just say the blob, because the, not the eight. Not one has nine. Not the 88 blob, <laughs> but like the original blob. When I was coming up with spooky names for the episode, I kind of did the, like you did with your name, Joe Bullerini. We kind of did that for the beginning of the episode. And um, I was, I was trying to rhyme Rob with something. And the only thing I could find was Rob the Blob. And that just sounded (laughs) rude. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So like, no, I can't use that one. But anyway, I think that covers all the stuff we wanted to taken up. Significant amount of your time. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to let you do it, but um, okay. Rob, you got one or no? We go. Um, I, I threw one together real quick. Okay. Um, I'll uh, I'll put in at number five, uh, Little Monsters. Yep. Um, at number four, I'll do Hotel Transylvania. Whoa! Oh, I thought you meant Transylvania Six Five Thousand. Sorry, Hotel Transylvania. Well, no, I love that movie, but I don't know that that's especially for kids. Although it is, it is a younger audience, but it's I, I don't know right. that I would say kids. Um, uh, Hotel Transylvania, then follow that up with uh, Monsters, Inc. Great. Um, and then at number two, I, I probably have to put in Hocus Pocus. I know it's not oh, really yeah. Monsters, it's Witches, but it's, good one. but it's 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 great. And my number one, of course, is Monster Squad. Okay, let's, um, I'm working this out here as well. Um, I forgot about Monster House. I'm going to I'm gonna have to go with that one as well. Monster House is a good one, man. It's, yeah. I actually enjoy that. Okay, so I'm going to go number five is Monster House, number four, Hotel Transylvania, number three, Monsters, Inc. Somehow, all you guys missed on this one, but Nightmare Before Christmas, number two. Ooh. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Very, very well, and, well said. And because I, I wouldn't say I missed it. <laughs> what is this? And I'm going to have to go ahead and say Monster Squad, number one, because if I don't say it, I'm going to get yelled at and kicked in the nards. Wolfman's got nards! does. Very just it it did hurt me not to include Ernest Scared Stupid in my list though. Movie's terrifying. Never seen it. I don't think I've seen it. I, I feel like I went to the movie theater and saw a few of those Ernest movies. I'm not gonna lie. I don't think I've ever seen an Ernest movie. What about Labyrinth? Would that qualify? I mean that now you're getting into fantasy. I yeah, yeah that's kinda like, why I didn't legend. include it. Yeah, that's that's a separate podcast. We'll do the fantasy. I think straight monster stuff. What about Chud? Was it good? You know, there was always those um, movies that uh, when you walk through a video store, the kid just looked incredible. And it was like Chud. Uh, Chopping Mall. (laughs) Chopping Mall with the... the... You know, Chopping Mall was a fantastic... Slither. Yep. Slither. April Dead Alive. Yeah, Dead Alive, where she's like pulling the... She's got a little skull in her mouth. Yep. Evil Dead 2. That was a great cover. But there was always... Reanimator. Reanimator was a fantastic one. The the one with the little troll guy perched on the back of the bed. Like leaning over the sleeve. Gothic. Gothic, yep. Gothic. Uh, uh, By the way, never saw the movie. Never saw the movie. But that just the idea on. of the movie is so awesome. 
the movie not so good. What is it? It's about like that commune of like all the writers, like Mary Shelley and everybody that used to get together at that mansion. Mm. And like, mm. what if like their hauntings were real? But it that's the extent of like that description is better than the movie itself, if I remember correctly. No, that poster was phenomenal. I just remember being bad. It's a little little guy on the edge of the bed with his claws out. Done. Oh my god. Uh, the Fright Night poster was always great. The the box. Ooh. The Frighteners had a great poster too. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a place here called Slashback Video. Actually, I think they do. They they actually have artists that do fake covers here, but they all they still sell the. Yeah, you guys should come out here. We have Monster Row out here, a, a special effects shop, Halloween, your uh, Mystic Bearded Lady, Antiquity, um, Blast from the Past, Dark Delicacy. It's just like it's a block of just like incredible, you know, sun soaked horror. Feature features. Like Rob, I think we figured yes. out a, one of our vacations. I think so, guys. <laughs> you do the podcast from um, the Mystic Museum. Well, I wanted to give a very special thanks to Joe. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us, guys. Thanks, Pat. Yeah. It was <laughs> great to have you again. All of me. Um, yeah, guys. Thanks very much. Thank yeah. You, no. Thank you, thank you for entertaining us. We look forward to everything you do in the future. We look forward to talking to you a year from now. Yeah. And uh, why don't you uh, don't you uh, plug yourself a little bit? Plug myself? Well, I'm going to be appearing on Forged in Fire. Uh, I've, yes! Um, <laughs> I've blacksmithed my own axe, and hopefully I'm going to get through that obstacle course and slice my way to the top. Um, that's uh, I'll be on the air tomorrow night. Um, and let's see, my, my band Squirrel Cadaver is uh, we're touring right now. <laughs> yes. And, Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting, book two, Beasts and Geeks. It's out now. It's a great, great second installment of the Babysitter's Guide to Monster Trilogy. And hopefully one day it will be a haunted house maze of horror nights. Enjoy with our children. Enjoy our children's children's children. Um, so yeah, enjoy <laughs> Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting. Wow, re- you are really playing the long game on that one. Oh yeah, that's a long, long. That's, a, that's, that's where we've all downloaded our brain. <laughs> Got deep again. Yeah, guys. Happy Halloween, gentlemen. It's a pleasure. I hope you guys come out to L.A. So they're just shattered up that I'm not in Orlando. But <gasps> what? You got to come on out uh, on out to L.A. See you guys. Glad you could join us. We had such a great time talking to Joe Ballerini today that we feel like we went a little bit too long to give Venom, I think it's due justice. So we will be talking about Venom on next week's episode. So until then, thank you guys so much for listening. Yep, thank you very much. I was the jump rope champion in sixth grade. Suck on that. You got any biscuits for sale in there? Ain't got no gas in it. You ought not do that to him, it's just the boy. But what's a uh, guys, cut this part out. I really skipped the Oh my gosh. We'll move on to something that's oh got to be oh easier. Oh my god, why is that? <laughs> you know what it is? It's just this day and age. I listen to so much music. I just said it's like all in there. Well, uh, shall we say goodbye? <clears throat> why are we <laughs> laughing? Because <laughs> you said, well, shit. I didn't. Special teat. All right, I'm going to go to Lucky's and try and get a free koozie.